Here we go with the latest SBL shoot around. We take a look at everything from the men's competition with a man who's created a remarkable coaching legacy after a 200-game playing career. Ben Etridge joins Chris Wright to bring you another men's SBL shoot around. Okay, back here on SBL Shoot Around, and another great honour for us, Ben. We're getting some incredible guests, and this man has a has a fantastic legacy as a family, and from him individually as well. Ryan Gardner is the man I'm talking about. Championship winner, both with the Prairie Lakes Hawks and the Perth Wildcats. His father, we know what his father's done as the, the legendary John Gardner, and, he's, and he continues to be involved in basketball in a lot of ways today. Ryan, thanks for joining us. No, thanks for having me on. When you when you do look back on your time in basketball, obviously, you're st- like I said, you're still involved in basketball in some ways now, so your involvement could still go for another 30 or 40 years. But when you look back on what you did as, as a player, what, and, and I guess your, fa- your whole family's legacy as well, does it, does it give you a great deal of, deal of pride when you, I guess, think of what you've done in basketball? Yeah, it certainly does, particularly these days. Um, being a little bit older, I guess, um, mm. basketball has pretty much given or helped shape everything I've done since I was 19 years old, from mm-hmm. particularly the Perry Lakes Hawks in the State Basketball League to being lucky enough, and I do say lucky enough because I think timing is everything with the Perth Wildcats and the National mm. Basketball League, through to being an administrator of the sport yeah. for, for many, many years as well, from Basketball WA through to the Perth Wildcats to the South Dragons, and then again back being in WA now, now and involved with you know the equipment and installation side of the sport mm-hmm. so we're around it a lot so i've been very very lucky and i, I don't discount that for mm. all my experiences so for me, right, oh, sorry, oh, sorry, go go ahead. i was gonna say so you know again we're both probably fortunate and sometimes i think i was a little bit unfortunate to have fathers as basketball coaches was that something for you that made made that journey into basketball easier or was it a bit like mine where sometimes it was a little bit the, the car rides home were a bit quiet and moping around the house or whatever if something <laughs> didn't quite go right what was it was it like that or yeah but it was de- it definitely was um having the gardener surname has been an incredible blessing for me but also you never got anything for free particularly from the family side of this, you know um we feel like, even with my brothers, Heath, and obviously my eldest brother, Aaron, being involved with the sport together for so long, we, from my old man's perspective, he certainly went out of his way to not to be seen to be providing any advantage. Now, whether rightly or wrongly, um, you would have gone through that process as well, and how that is perceived around the place, I'm not sure, but... We didn't just get the easy pathway. We were never allowed, you know, as, for example, for myself, I was never allowed to play state league until I finished high school. It was a bit the same for CJ Bruton, who I grew up playing with basketball mm. as well. We never got the free ride um, all the way through. And probably at stages, he probably targeted us a little more, sometimes deservedly, maybe sometimes yeah. not so deservedly. But, you know, I would, I never regret, and I've never regretted anything I've done with the sport, particularly through the Prairie Lakes Hawks and then on through to the National Basketball League. But at times, yeah, there were some stone-cold <laughs> drives homes after games. You know, my mother, the whole family's involved with the sport. My mother was a, a scorekeeper for... She was, I, I couldn't even tell you how long. The entire time I was involved with the sport. Yeah. So no one ever missed out, including my mother, 
from after a loss <laughs> from, from my old man and you know there were some stone cold car drives home yeah. there was some couple of days until he got back to practice the, yeah. the following tuesday it kind of changed then when you got prepared for another one but you know he was probably one of the most competitive people that i have met through times. I've been lucky enough to be involved with lots of different athletes and coaches in my time. But um, he wore every loss and every win was good, but, you know, he was looking for the next one. I guess that's probably the best way to sum that up. Most definitely. And look, I mean, there, oh, I can't imagine there was too many quiet, quiet rides home after a loss, given the, the league, especially at the SBL level, you know, those teams that you were a part of and even those late 90s teams were, were very, very good. You know, what was it like for you? You just said you didn't, you weren't allowed to play until you'd finished high school. What was that like breaking into those teams? Was it, you know, they, they were in that upper echelon of, of the SBL? Was, you know, what was that like? It was it was hard to begin with, you know. I it was it was probably harder for my next brother up, Heath, because I was probably competing against him more in that generational side of things. Um, particularly when CJ and I CJ and I first started. I mean, CJ was always going to be playing at the elite level in this country and nationally. There's no doubt about that. So his 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 pathway was quite smooth, and of course he had a lot of things being pulling in from either side. So I guess in those early days, Heath and I sort of competed to get into that stage. Heath was very entrenched, fantastic player, had many years of experience. And I, I don't say this lightly, um, Heath breaking his leg in probably my first or second season where I had to start after that probably gave me a leg up, both with the State League and also um, International Basketball League. Again, where I was very fortunate through circumstance to be involved. You know, I say this to many people, and if I'm getting off track, let me know. I I was in a situation with the Wildcats where I knew my position. You know, I was never going to be a starter. I was never going to be in the top eight, but I knew my position from nine onwards, and that was that kind of shaped everything I did in the early years of my state basketball league career. I was lucky to have guys like Pete Hansen. Now, I, I count Pete Hansen as probably one of my greatest influences and mentors. And probably one of the best players um, I've ever played with. Guys like Chris Carroll. Chris Carroll, unbelievable scorer. Probably, I would say, underrated. One of the most underrated State League players. To a certain extent, National Basketball League um, player. But he, those two guys particularly, and then guys like Andrew Rupoff, if you remember those imports in those days, in mm-hmm. our 1994 first win. Yep, yep. I was incredible. Luck. And they had guys like Phil Thomason and all these stalwarts that played for many, many years with the Perry Lakes Hawks. And... They shaped us and kicked our asses, essentially, on a daily basis, you know. The year that came through with myself, in particularly CJ aside, because he took his own path, of course, Dion D'Agostino, um, Peter Sinfield, Lee Malachuk, those guys, you know, we had good ground when we first arrived. There was no, there was no quarter given, and we were made to earn <laughs> all of our minutes, essentially. Yep. No, I um, <laughs> my, my memories of those Perry Lakes teams, and I refer to it, and I still talk to it nowadays when, I, when I'm coaching. It was, it was like playing human pinball. Um, <laughs> I'd, I'd run around on the court, and I'd be bouncing off, bounce off Ryan, then you'd bounce off Sinfield, then you'd bounce off Malachuk, then you'd run into Mayer, and next thing you'd hit Pete Hansen, and you you'd like you literally felt like you're on a pinball machine. And I can imagine uh, as a kid at practice, those guys or those older guys not. Not being jerks about it, but that's how they played, and that was the toughness, and that was always something that you, you got when you're whether it was you're playing at Perry Lakes at Court One or they were coming down to play against you. It, you knew it was going to be a tough physical matchup, but and this is from your dad and something that your dad taught my dad as well was you, you play the game the right way, the result's going to take 
care of itself. And that was something that I think set a tone in WA basketball for a long time was that the style of play was that tough physical style of play, but being played in the right way. Yeah, absolutely. And we were held to account to that as well. You know, we weren't allowed to talk to referees. Well, we always did. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, our coach as in uh, my old man and our assistant coaches through Craig, Clatworthy, Barlett, all those guys, they made us respect who we were and also made us play for our team. Because in those days, I, well, when I do some of the occasional talks nowadays, particularly for the Hawks with new SBL players or state league players, we never got paid a cent for that entire time. So the only players that ever got paid when they played with the Hawks back in those days were the Eden Porter players. And we had the same core group of players from when I started in 93, I think it was, or 92, all the way through to when I finished in 2001. And, you know, we were lucky to have compliments as we go through. You know, Trent Mager is the ideal example. He's incredible. You know, we used to absolutely go hammer and tong against Trent when he played in for Wanneroo for the Wolves. So he became a Hawk, mate. He was lifelong, you know. And we, I see and associate with those guys all the time now as well. And it was that same core group players that we were lucky enough to carry through. And people ask me at times, I was lucky enough to win two state league championships just for the run of, um, you know, Perry Lakes. I had, I think, had three or four in a row in the men's yeah, side yeah. of things. And the difference between the 94 team with Chris Carroll, Pete Hanson, Andy Upoff, and still one of the, I think, one of the best players never to really want to go on in Scott Harkis. Um, and I say that I say that liberally because I work with Scott every day. <laughs> but, um, right. you know, one of the greatest talents and one of the greatest basketball minds, you know, went from football to different things. But the 94 team, where I was such a young player, to the 2001 team, I think, where, you know, that was my last season. I was the, the captain of the team. I was the, the seasoned veteran. But we had guys like, uh, Simon Blenner has it, and Joe Allen Tapaya. You know, Lee Malachuk just hit his straps. Peter Simple hit his straps. Um, Dion was still there in those days with us, and those sort of things. Two complete opposite teams, but still with the same mentality from six or seven years earlier. You know, yeah. it made a massive difference the entire way through. And the consistency was the players and obviously the coaching staff as well. Yeah, and I, uh, you know, having sort of done a little, not with the same success, but had that opportunity to have a core group of guys together for almost 10 years and have those, as you said before, it, this becomes, this is how we play here and this is what's expected. And it wasn't so much from our coaching staff that held them, it was the players handing it over. The exactly. player, when, when kids came into a practice session and Damien Maddox is there half an hour early, a day and half an hour late and, you know, doing all those, they just look at it and go, well, this is how we have to do it. And suddenly they start to do it. And next thing, Rob Hunting is doing that and that's exactly. the, the next generation that and that's that legacy I guess and why you have that sustained success it's not that high turnover but well, even if you do have a turnover the, there's guys that are carrying that forward so and, it, and the results show you know four grand four, four championships in a row is, is phenomenal yeah man, and, and the same things carries on you know we when I was lucky enough to be involved with the Wildcats it was when the under 20 worlds or under 21s I think maybe as it was called and Aaron Hare and Craig McAndrew and a couple of these other guys had to go off so I was signed two week contract and then lucky enough I made a spare spot so I was signed for the rest of that 90-95 season I've been training earlier in the year and then we won the championship but I say that in terms of we still went and trained with our state league club after training twice a day with the Wildcats. And that wasn't just me. That was CJ before me, before he went over east. But that was also Pete Hansen, you know, a right. seasoned veteran who had been there for many years. And I know it's the last thing we probably felt like doing, but there was an obligation to us to go train with our state league teammates, you know. And I was lucky. I came to an era with Fisher and Crawford and Grace and, and Vlahov particularly. And I see Ricky these days and... What those guys would push us in those days on the national 
league side of things, you know, we would hopefully take back to what our state league team was as well. You know, so those core sort of values, I was lucky to have two teams I was involved with through that time, but particularly the Perry Lakes Hawks, it really shaped and moulded most things I did on and off the court from sort of there onwards. Yeah, I think that that's clearly evident. So it's good to hear that you, you're sort of talking about that, that 94 team as well, because in the tournament sort of thing that we've set up at the moment, and maybe it's a, a bit of a tyranny of um, social media a little bit, but the 94 team has, has made it through to the Sweet 16, and I think <laughs> the 2003 team, is that right, Chris? Yeah, that's right, yep. The 03 team, which I know Mark Utley and I, when we've discussed it, we think that um, 03 team was as good as anyone you know, when you look at the, the one through twelve, and and you throw in a, a Matt Burston and a and a Tom Garlop in there as well, absolutely. Um, what would you What would your thought be on that on those two teams if they were to to match up play from the Hawks side of things? Yeah, so mm. if those two teams were to meet, nineteen ninety four, mate, I would I would take into account. I think if between the ninety four and the uh, two thousand three that you mentioned, I'd say the ninety four team would take it. Why? Seasoned veterans and the toughness side of things. And I'm not saying, I'm not casting dispersions on how the game changed soon after, but I think the 99-14, I think one of the best state league players that only came out for a season was Andrew Upper. Yeah. And it was ridiculous how good he was. You know, it's you got your Pete Hansen with the longevity and the career and his ability. Fantastic. But Andrew Uphoff... Scott Harkis, I mean, CJ. CJ came off the bench that year. And it was a funny thing because I started, but CJ was sort of in and out of the squad because of his uh, his Wildcats commitments. And he was fantastic. He accepted that. You know, Phil Thomason, you know, Dion D'Agostino, Toddy Bennett, these guys, we had a reasonably deep bench as we went. But I think from the starting five, six, seven players, of that core group, I would think takes over that uh, 2003 team. And I say that uh, openly because, you know, Matt Burson, I was lucky to grow a little bit with Matt in his terms of the Prairie Lakes Hawks, but then also recruiting for the South Dragons after an ankle injury over here. You know, and he's certainly shown, and again to this day, he's probably got the best set of hands, one of the best set of hands for an almost seven-footer that I ever played with. Right. Incredible, but that ninety nine, that nineteen ninety four team, those guys, and Chris Carroll as well. I shouldn't neglect yeah. Chris Carroll because he, like, he was incredible as a player and as a person and as a role model. Particularly for me, he could just fill it up if you need to. Even though he didn't have the, the the highest scoring grand final back then, he contributed all over and he had an incredible basketball mind. So ninety four over two thousand and three. For me, if you ask me between ninety four and two thousand and one, that would be a harder question for me. Right. So it's, I would still probably go for 94, but the young talent that we had in 2001 when we played Brownie and the boys there who had an incredible Bucks team, you know, with Dan and Farrell and all those guys and Ericsson, yep. it would be a, a harder choice for me between those two teams. Uh, that's the year he burst into his grand final MVP as well. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah. So, so Matty being there as a young kid, and then, and poor Matty, he used to cop, not cop it from us, but, you know, we rode him a little bit. <laughs> so, which we rode each other in a nice, friendly way. We'll never, we'll never mean-spirited about it. Um, you know, he, he had a fantastic career, and he was an incredible player. And different times and different circumstances, who knows what he would have done outside of the NBL as well. Yeah. You know, he had that severe ankle injury. He had a reconstructed once. They didn't do a great job. Then he came over to Melbourne. We got a reconstruct in, and then he had a great, 
you know, had finished off his career before he went north and that. And, you know, he was lucky too because we, and I know we're, uh, we're digressing from the state basketball league, but we had Gorge too. Gorge, Brian mm-hmm. gave him an incredible opportunity, you know, so he thrived and um, flourished under Brian. And, you know, I, I, I don't go away from Brian Gorgian. Take my old man away of it. He's probably the best coach I've ever seen out mm-hmm. of anything. What separates you from everyone else? His professionalism. It's amazing. You know, there's so many narky stories around Brian and clubs. And, you know, I was lucky enough to be the general manager of that South Dragon club. And maybe it was because I had a little more basketball, per se, experience, as in the cattle or the talents. If there was ever a player he brought up and we didn't necessarily could afford him or there was health risk, whatever, Brian had no issue in looking elsewhere. You know, but his pedigree as a coach and the people that he had with him was unbelievable. You know, he was the ultimate professional coach. Incredible. And uh, Illawarra or Wollongong, whatever they call themselves these days, yeah, they are, um, it's an amazing thing for them to have him. Was that the young Joe Ingalls on that team? Yeah, Joe was there. You know, we used, to, we used to wipe Joe's butt when he first came down as a 19, <laughs> 18, 19 year old. You know, I, was, I didn't have a big hand in his first signing. It was done by Mark Cowan uh, in the early days just before I arrived. But in his re signing and so on, and then, you know, loving my hating with Shane Hill, you know, we met Joe's American agent and, you know, sort of did our due diligence on behalf um, of Joe. And then Joe just flourished. He just did it all himself. You know, we were very lucky to have him, but he was a he was a good kid yeah. the whole way through. And I could tell you some of the kid stories about him, but I could also tell you how good he was on the court and off the court, even in his very early days. It flows into something I wanted to ask you about, about Ryan. Given your dad's legacy as a coach, when you stopped playing, did you have to make a decision between, I guess, going down the admin side of basketball or if you wanted to be a coach? And obviously, you decided the admin side of it. And can you talk us through some of the roles that you've had? Because you touched on the South Dragons, you touched on things you've done. For BWA, you've had your own sort of sports and events companies. You've done done a lot of things over the last 20 years. Yeah, I've been very lucky. You know, basketball has given me everything I've done professionally. And, you know, I've done a lot of things outside the sport. You know, I've been involved with tourism and uh, food franchising businesses and all these sorts of things. But in terms of when I finished the sport, whether I finished too early or not, I knew it was my time. And I think there's a legacy of, you know, training twice a day, sometimes three times a day. And back in those days, because of particularly the NBL, I was doing a basketball clinic at a school every single day between trainings. So I would head out, finish training, head off to a basketball clinic at a primary school or a high school somewhere in the CBD, and you're back in the afternoon to go do it. Now, even that helped my what I did because I went from there to being helping start first development programs, schools development programs in Basketball WA. And the irony is quite funny because the clubs I was involved with, and I think there was three clubs in those times, it was Sterling, East Perth, and maybe Calamunda. I'm not sure. I can't quite remember what the third club was because they were having trouble getting juniors or pathways into their association. Mm-hmm. And they all hated me because my garden name. <laughs> because I've come across this many times in my life. But fortunately, um, I've been able through, and again, this is, and I don't want to be sound like I'm preaching, you know, my work ethic and I hope my professionalism that was instilled with me, particularly through the early Hawks days and into the Wildcats, through the players and the coaches, um, we kind of won those clubs over and they had a little bit spike. And then I went on to a mixture. So it was called Zone Sport or the Wildcat Zone back in those days, which was probably one of the first user pay basketball development program this is probably back in the late 99 2000s and you know i was doing their administration and management but i was also coaching every morning 6 to seven thirty. so i was really enjoying both roles but 
I think I was a good skills coach and everything I learned, mate, was play-by-play, probably what my old man had said to me for 100 years um, (laughs) over that time. And I think a lot of those (laughs) sessions and skill sessions and things like that are still very relevant today. Mate, I go to training sessions today and watch some training sessions. I actually don't understand the vernacular these days mm-hmm. it's quite it's like i'm not quite sure at times until i see they're actually being demonstrated what they're talking about and it changes so rapid these days mm. but yeah. i took the administration path from there you know i was with the wildcats as their operations manager for many years in terms of, you know we were lucky enough to win another championships when andrew and luke owned the club then there was an opportunity for me to go to across to melbourne for the honor for the um competition man commonwealth games so i headed across there was involved with that getting their basketball comp side of things up and running and managed through the events. And then funnily enough, and not many people have noticed, I, I had a choice between going to the Singapore Slingers as their general manager. I was asked um, in those days or going to the South Dragons. And I yeah. chose to stay in Melbourne with the South Dragons. So that sort of then continued on my administration side in the sport. And then when we closed, and I say we closed the South Dragons down because um, my two owners, Mark Cowan and Raphael Gamin, were in a situation where they were continually spending money on a 15,000-seat venue, and all yeah. these other National League clubs were going to 4,500, 3,500-seat yeah. venues. So they're like, you know what? We're not interested. We, you know, we even talked for a moment about a rogue league back in those days. Mm-hmm. So we, I stopped, we, when I finished there, I stayed in Melbourne, and then I got to the event side of this. Um, you know, I'd done 10 or 12 overseas events in Singapore, particularly with Lahoff and around the, and around Australia. And, yeah. you know, so I just went to event contracting. And then I found myself over in Las Vegas, throughout Asia, doing different things as well on the event side of things. And there, you know, I my, my administration and my learnings and the people that helped shape what I do in those days, and I hope I'm not boring anybody, but I, that helped me go into these different streams and the food franchising with um, Shane Hill to, you know, I was a general manager of a place called Willie Creek Pearls in Broome for many yeah. years. And then and then back in, you know, back in Perth now, again, we had a crack, you know, not to give too much uh, all, all the plug, but down D'Agostino started importing basketball infrastructure through Broome Ring. And that's his side of the business, and I take care of all the installation side for lots of different people as well. So, mate, I've had a di- I've had a different. I don't like using the word journey. I've had a different career path, mm-hmm. um, but it's all been based or all evolved around particularly those early days. You know that ninety two ninety three when I state league with the pre lakes Hawks. They kicked me in the ass and told me what I should and shouldn't do, how I should and shouldn't react. Uh, act. And I guess hopefully it's held me in decent stead. And, you know, my old man was the leader and mentor for all of that, us outside the other players, all those sort of things. He always made us, I would hope, say, do the right thing as we went through. I spoke to Dion on our women's SBL show on our our very first episode, and and unfortunately he's had a falling out with Perry Lakes given what happened at the end of his coaching tenure. But do you still have a good relationship with Perry Lakes? Are you still pretty close with the club? Yeah, I do. Yeah, good. Yeah, absolutely, I do. You know, so I I occasionally still do some things for the Hawks um, as we go along. My my again, my my day to day is changing. You know, I've got two young kids, and so my kids aren't really that age yet. You know, I've got a five and a nine, or a six and a nine year old, just recently turned six, and mm-hmm. they're not quite made that choice. Fortunately, my son and my kids are tall dwarfs. Whether that's politically correct or not, my kids aren't tall. <laughs> they, my son's really just starting to show some interest in playing basketball, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. But they couldn't give. Rats, what I've done, yeah. <laughs> or been involved with in in the sport, yeah. um, and I've been lucky 
I've been lucky that, you know, my youngest is now starting to, to sort of show some interest and we'll, I'll get him into some sports. The hardest thing for me is going down and just, say, sitting there watching yeah. junior sports. You know, I see my brother's kids. They all play basketball and they're, both their boys, uh, their sons and their daughters. I find, it, I find it hard just to sit there <laughs> and not be too involved. I try not to be critical, but I think everyone's got a certain bit of uh, criticism. I, when I go and watch the uncoached state league, I'm still yeah. critical of him at times, you know, so I, I'm happy to provide active feedback. So it'll be interesting to see what my next couple of years um, curtails. You know, they're out the back, they're shooting around, they're showing an interest, but I won't push them down that path. Um, my yeah. kids are probably a little bit younger than my nieces and nephews. But, yeah, there is some hope yet. Mm. But with the Pearl Lakes Hawks, love the club. Still see the people when I'm down there. And, you know, the Pearl Lakes Hawks, even though the look of the Hawks is probably different these days, mate, that's my club. I was one club. Never changed, and they'll always be my club. Brilliant. I guess that's Fantastic. probably the easiest way to summarise it. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. And you did touch on your business with Dion as well, and I wanted to mention that as well because it's amazing. You you grow up playing playing with him almost. You spend a lot of your career playing with him, and 20 years later you sort of reconnect and start up this business together. Yeah, well, I've been lucky, you know, because I've, I've obviously lived over East for quite a while and I've just come back to WA. So, you know, we've always maintained a pretty close friendship. And look, we, we you know, we'll fight uh, tooth and nail about some things when we work with each other day to day. We know each other's warts incredibly well. Um, but there's a nice balance for what we do there. Dan's a great salesman. I'm not a salesman at all. Mm -hmm. I'm the worst salesman I've ever seen. But I'm happy to get my hands dirty. And, you know, I'm lucky. I, I work with guys and we've done different um, We've done a couple of different things over the last year, couple of years, you know, with Scotty Harkis and even Tony Rollinson to a, to a lesser extent. You know, two years ago, I think at Oz, we put a camp on up in Broome and uh, somewhere where I lived for quite a few years and then up into the up north further um, over about four or five days. And, you know, we, we took Tony up and we took Dan up. We took Paul Rogers up to do three days of clinics and coaching and then another further days on some of the um, remote communities up there for a guy called Nick Linson. But just lucky, you know. I, I see these guys all the time. You know, we had a good repertoire when we were younger. We're still kids at times when we get together. <laughs> and, you know, we can we can absolutely have a crack at each other without taking it personal. <laughs> I think, like, Ben, what you alluded to earlier is that's that's what happened in the early days. You know, we, we got cracked, but it was never personal. It was, yeah. it was more of a lesson for us. It's almost like that big brother, little brother relationship, I guess. Yeah, absolutely it is. And, you know, it's, also, it's quite funny when we get together now because everyone's older and they've all got kids. But you, you kind of you kind of have these men, this mentality when we all get together. And a lot of the guys that I'm involved with have their own businesses, you know, and you can see like Trent Mager, who's in the fireys, you know, he's that path of as, as a school teacher and then down the path as a, as a fire. And I, I believe he's an educator now. But again, when we get together, it's... It's always like, you know, it's the same. And through my sort of professional career, if you want to call that, in terms of uh, the work side of things, I was lucky to have to play and work with guys, you know. So I was playing with Trent Mager and I was working with Trent Mager day in, day out. You know, so there was kind of that affinity with all those players back then. And the guys I played against, you know, Ben yourself and I saw you just recently and then Troy Clark and whenever I see Brownie, that kind of era to me, they stay not close, but they stay personal when you see each other through these yep. times. And I don't, not that I'm involved as close these days, I don't tend to see it as much with the new age. There's a little more, if the Hawks ask me down to give a talk or anything to, you know, to a new season state league player, the biggest thing I say to them is don't take things for advantage or granted. You know, 
listen to your senior players, listen to your coaches, and you got to work through it. You know, I think some of the kids these days or the athletes these days, they want the given things a little bit too early or they want things too early. And I think it hampers them. My, my theory on National Basketball League is one through to eight, however you want to put that, that's quite a unique group. Nine through to everyone else, there's a massive, massive pull of those players mm-hmm. and it's about opportunity taking those opportunity and whether they like it or not coaches like respect and they like kids or players that listen you know i don't want to be sound like i'm preaching again but you know i think some of the philosophy these days have changed i think pathways happen really quickly for some athletes and i don't necessarily know if they always get that right mentoring and coaching as they go through so early yeah for me when i when i sort of come across that as well it seems to be that there is there is a lot more people in a kid's pathway now. Like yeah. kids can have a strength and conditioning coach. They can have a basketball skills coach. They've got a wobble coach. They've got a state coach. They've got an SBL coach. If they're playing D, like kids can have five or six different people who've got different agendas um, all in that pathway, but they're all telling the kid that they're going to be great and they're going to be awesome because they don't want to lose them. So they yeah. sell them that dream. And then, yeah, they, you get to the SBL and you say to a kid, well, they ask for a meeting. It's like they ask, oh, am I going to start this year? It's like, <laughs> you, you haven't played a minute of SBL and you're asking me if you're going to start. Like, you have a look out on the court at Trian, Seb, Robbie, Maxi, Ben. Like, which one of those guys are you better than? And they'll go, yeah, but am I going to start? And it's just like, yeah. my goodness. Who's, who's filled your head with these delusions that that's where you're at, at at 18 or 19 years of age? So I think that's the difference as well, that consistency in that message that comes, you know, when when we were growing up, you might have had your, your wobble coach there and that was it. Or, yeah. you know, your state coach who was someone highly respected. And if you're trained with an SBL, so you might have two people in your in your pathway and they they know exactly where you fit into their into their system or their plans, and yeah, there's no none of this leapfrogging or, or jumping the system or jumping ship because the the grass is greener over there. Yeah, it's quite amazing too. The other thing I, I I see or I hear about these days, you know, I think Ben, when we were and I particularly played and grew up, we would go down and play pickup or yep. three on three, four on four, five on five. You know, we, no one made us do that. We would do that on our own. Uh, off our own backs and I, I guess it happens to a certain extent now I just don't see it happening as much these days and well, well, I think we had you, Wayne Simmons on who told us some amazing stories about the pickup games that he used to used to organize yeah and you know what that was that community in that age too so Wayne came yeah. through at a period of time where that's what you did mm-hmm. you know and that's and that's how you got better I remember playing against and Wayne and again in the Cats days I was really lucky because I, we came up with the name of what we called ourselves as we called ourselves the fodder, you know. So we were, we were training, mate, and we were there to push the starting seven the best possible. And in that time to make up numbers, you know, we would have Wayne and, you know, CJ Jackson and um, all these guys on our particular side on a daily basis. And I was thinking about when I spoke to you guys briefly the other day about doing this, some of the players I was lucky enough to play against and probably one of the the most underrated player I probably played against, but who I enjoyed training with when I got the opportunity and playing against, was Wade Bennett from the Slammers. Yeah, you know, yeah. he he was probably the best point guard in state league. You know, and I don't say that under shame because of an incredible amount of point guards with Troy Clark and you know all these guys, Lacko and the Fowls and all those things. But I think Wade Bennett was probably the best point guard that came through that era. That never particularly 
either wanted to go on the next one or was recognised for what he did. You know, and it was circum- again, when I say circumstances and a bit of luck back in those days for a national league, you know, Wade, I think from memory, was either just finishing an electrical apprenticeship or something along those lines. So he chose to go down his career path, you know, yeah. of the professional. He could have played NBL for an incredible amount of years. Yeah, oh, he, he was amazing. Yeah. Oh, we've heard, that. We've like heard that. that he almost made his own decision to actually turn down NBL chances because he wanted to stay where he was in, in Bunbury. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, I... Um, I was in my third season, I think, with the Cats. So I was only there for about two and a half, three seasons. I worked for them a lot longer than I did away from. Mm. And we had a season where we had Lacko, Wade, uh, I think. Oh, I'm going to forget some of the names. There's a f- two or three other guys that came and did a lot of preseason with us, even when we went nationally. And it was kind of a fight for that 9, 10, 11, 12 spot in that period. Mm-hmm. And... Wade shone like he was the shining light, but again, he chose, like you say, he chose the path of staying where he was and enjoying his state league. And people ask him, What do you enjoy more, the NBL or the SBL? I enjoy the SBL so much more than um, the NBL. I'll never take the NBL back for what it gave me. Um, my two easiest carefree games with the Perth Wildcats were my very first two games where I wasn't contracted. Then I got contracted and it was a whole different story. Yeah, it was quite that. amazing, you know. But again, my, my main job the Wildcats was between 7.30 and 5.30 every yep. weekday. And again, very, very lucky to be involved with the club. One, one last one from me before we'll let you go, Ryan. Um, you've touched on it a little bit earlier. What comes to mind when you think about playing against Ben Etridge back through throughout those 1990s? Toughness. Yeah. You know, the, the, the whole period for those guys and toughness, and he could shoot the hell out of it. That's my mm-hmm. other big thing. I was never a shooter. I was, I was not really a scorer. I was a bossy little turd on the court and as a <laughs> point guard. And I could handle the ball. But the shooter, the shooting side of things and the toughness side of it. You know, I think that's what comes to mind. And we we were competitive too. You know, we were competitive against himself and the club, always. And I think it was a, people are going to shoot me down for being old here, but, you know, I think it was a a tougher era to play in. Mm -hmm. I think players' mentalities were tougher, players were tougher, and they played through more injury in that time. And you know, with Ben, I know we had great clashes yeah. the whole way through. And I think through, because um, Ben, oh, I hesitate to say this, you're a year or so older than me, but, you know, through the juniors when we're at a similar age and then through the state league as well. Yeah. Shooting the hell out of it, seeing his old man everywhere and being yeah. a tough nut. <laughs> That's, you know, that, that is what, you know, comes to mind when I first think of Ben. Yeah, probably that led me down the the path of maybe being a little bit too fiery sometimes, taking that, <laughs> um, that toughness a little bit too far, but definitely enjoyed the battles and would always, I do remember one time warming up for a game against you guys and shooting around with a kid and from Mandarin. I've gone up to shoot the ball. He's put his foot, I like the Kawhi Leonard Pachulia thing, he's put his foot under under my landing area and I've rolled my ankle in the warm-up like 30 minutes before the game. Literally, it was blue by the time the game started, but there was no way that I wasn't going to go out and play because it was you guys because I knew that was as good as it was going to get. Like, that was who you want to play against. And yeah. the physio had strapped me up, put an ankle brace on it, and CJ was looking at me going, can you go? And I'm like, yep, I can go. <laughs> and, like, yeah, literally my ankle was blue up to about my knee. But, yeah, again, there was no way that I wasn't going to get out there and play because that was a disservice to, to you guys and, and, and to the to the boys on the team. But, yeah, that, t- that, that era for me, and it, that's, I think, why there is that, like, I said to Chris before we came on, you're at 
my school the other week and you just sort of walk past the door and we haven't seen each other probably 10 years but automatically it was hey mate what's going on how you been what's been happening that that respect comes through in all those little times that you, you do catch the guys from that time around the place so yeah remember those times very very fondly yeah, incredibly well done, Dad, mate, because I think that's a really good sentiment. I feel exactly the same way. And I think I think that's the sentiment of a lot of players around that era as well. And when you see each other. And I, I, I can't I can't talk about today and players today. Um I can only talk about when I was involved, but yeah, it's exactly the same sentiment, mate. It's a it's a respect and there's a personal side to it when you see players that you used to play against. Yeah, most definitely. We'll wrap it up, Ryan, but really enjoyed this chance to catch up and to reflect on everything you did as a player and everything you've done since. And we look forward to seeing what you, you do next and continue to do. And we'll make sure we stay in touch because we, I mean, it, the reason we started a show like this was to give people like you who might not get a chance to talk about your, your SBL career or your basketball basketball. I know you don't like the word journey, but journey. Um, so that's why we love talking to people like you because we want you to be able to get your story out there. So thanks very much for joining us. No, guys, I really appreciate um, the opportunity uh, anytime. Thanks, mate. Really appreciate it. No, thanks, guys. Anytime. Really uh, really good to see you guys and talk to you. Yeah, you too, Ryan. I'll see you soon, I'm sure. Yeah, Absolutely. Especially if you're still up at Dion's Games, I'll see you up at Warwick one time soon. Yeah, that would be really good. I will be there either cheering <laughs> him on or having a crack at him. That's fine. <laughs> <I bet. laughs> thanks, mate. Thanks, guys. See you, Ryan. See you, mate.